0: This is Woods from Arm and & Hammer, and you're listening to the Cabbage's Hip-Hop Podcast.
1: Hey, this is Blockhead, and you're listening to the Cabbage's Hip-Hop
0: Podcast.
2: this movie, I'm sure we'll get into the inconsistencies. I'm sure we'll get into the weird nature of this film. It's odd. I'm sure of it. But there's something that's been burning me since we watched it. Oh? What's up with these cranes? I love cranes, first and foremost. But these cranes are killing people in the movie, and these journalists are like, eh. Death sells, guys. What, why, why would you not pursue the crane story?
3: I hate cranes. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
3: So that's Street Smart. <laughs> that's Street, Street Smart, Smart.
2: 1987.
3: That passes for discourse, essentially. That's pretty um, much it. If you haven't watched Street Smart, which is the movie pick for our third ever Cabot is All-Stars, you probably want to watch it before you dive into this episode. Probably. It's not a recommendation. It's I want to be disturbing. clear not an endorsement that we're doing here. It's just that you're going to have to understand that we are still unsure of what we watched and we are about to have a discussion about it.
2: Right. So, and I watched it two and a half times.
3: So I just want you, to, as the listeners, just to be prepared. If you come into this, it might just feel confusing to you, but understand that it's because it's confusing to us now in this yeah. moment as we are to discuss this.
2: Gary, you could call me the sickness because I'm disturbed.
3: Well put. So I'm wearing my fancy movie hat, my brown bunny movie hat. Mm. Shout out to Vincent Gallo. This is mm.
0: not
3: authorized merch, by the way. This is... <laughs> business. Uh, he'd be real mad. But we figured we do things a little bit differently on this episode. This movie got mm-hmm. picked and we'll talk about that. It was picked as by blockhead and myself for this and we'll go into the details but we needed to have two outstanding artists and guests on this episode to see out this third and for the time being final uh episode of cabbages
2: cabbages Cabbages, all stars baby
3: cabbages all stars uh before we move into our new year with all sorts of fun stuff planned
2: more rapidly and
3: so we managed to get Billy Woods and, as I said before, Blockhead to excited. come on. I'm so podcast. excited. You know, if you, like me, are a fan of Dour Candy, you know that these guys have made some incredible music together. They continue to make great music together on their projects. But unfortunately, this is not a podcast about music. This is a podcast not. about movies. It's and- about
2: 1987 Street Smart. So
3: sit back, relax, and prepare to be as confused as we are. Mm -hmm. our guest for today's show first up we have billy woods of backwood studios fame he's dropped two incredible albums this year maps with producer kenny siegel and the arm and hammer full length we buy diabetic test strips also joining us today is blockhead a new york native and veteran producer he recently released his excellent new album the Ox" via backwood studios with features by Aesop brock danny brown Fatboy boy sharif and many more they've both been on the pod before Albeit separately, and we are overjoyed to welcome them back in duo mode as Cabbages All Stars. Hello, gentlemen, and welcome to the show.
0: What's, up? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, it just... is.
3: It is
2: a, a wild shock to me that after what we put you two through, you'd be willing to come back and and be put through another ringer like this. This is wild to me, and I really appreciate it.
0: We thank <laughs> this you. This is a totally different. Totally different situation. I was curious how uh, how this one was selected out of them. And a surprising fact about this movie is uh, apparently Morgan Freeman was nominated for an Oscar. He sure was. And yeah. the crazy thing is that um, I've watched this movie and towards the end, I was like, dude is doing a really good job, even though... I have several questions about the purpose of the job he oh, was doing. Um, yes, he was acting, yeah, well
2: he was incredible in in this film. His ass
1: off. He acted his ass off. It's nice to see him in a different light, you know mm. It's a yeah. pleasant pleasant change of pace for him. yeah. well, let's just start with just the um
3: because that, that fun fact is definitely something that will will get brought up in this because it's an interesting uh, thing about where Morgan Freeman's career went after this film but the key thing is that we in this all-star season have sort of been uh less rigid about how we pick the films and mm-hmm. ultimately uh we did an episode uh with fat tony and fat boy sharif and fat boy sharif uh picked the movie himself he picked kids in the hall brain candy That's one's out now everyone can listen to that i put together a short list of films about five films i think and i presented them one morning to Blockhead and said, choose from it. And there were some definitely some landmines on that list. The Adventures of Pluto Nash was on that list. Yeah, uh, and- You
2: chose poorly. We could have been talking about Pluto Nash, dog.
1: I- I've seen it already. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm good. I don't need to do that again. I'm good.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: <laughs> you don't even know what that movie is.
3: Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy with, um, hey, Eddie Murphy. it was a huge bum. Joe Pantoliano is that. And, um, oh, uh, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid is in it as a as a robot. Wow! Oh, right. Yeah, it's a Eddie Murphy interspace. Movie. Oh, and uh, Rosario Dawson is in it too. I mean, it's a it's an A list cast to be sure in a solid C movie.
2: Was this actually the first Men in Black movie? Did we? Did I miss one?
3: Uh, no, it's it's beyond Men in Black. This is okay, like space. This is space. This is like Whoa. Flash Gordon. Yeah, all it's right, it's, um, right. it's a doozy.
1: They were trying but, to do something.
3: So ultimately, what ended up happening was Blockhead shows something I put on this list out of curiosity because I've been seeing a lot about it. And that's street smart. The only criteria I really put together of that list of movies for, for you, Blockhead, was that they were on Tubi and they were <laughs> around 90 minutes. That was the main I criteria.
2: I Around
3: 90 minutes <laughs> on, on Tubi. That's it. That's how I chose it. So to answer uh-huh. your question, Woods, that's how we got there.
0: Okay. So this is partially my fault. But if you'd seen their list, you'd know. Okay. Okay. Just, just, just for the record, I also want to note that you, 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 you guys ducked the caveman's Valentine again. Oh, uh, I, mean, I was okay. all in. I was all in. A mistake, personally, I think. I think that was a mistake. But the flip side was, uh, this was not like the other movies. No. Like, no. It definitely it's like a real not movie. Movie uh at all, but it's a serious movie that is taking itself seriously even mm. when, it's, when it shouldn't be. And um and yeah, a couple people are actually really trying and have some talent.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of them in my estimation is not Christopher Reeve.
1: <laughs> he's, the, he's, the, he's the chris klein before chris klein and right like, wow. like, he just sort of
2: walks into every scene like man this is weird you guys are weird
1: i never realized <laughs> how big he was he's a giant
2: he's a real big dude
1: a real big dude I go, he's, he's superman
2: I go for he's superman he fun fact he got this this is a passion project for him yeah he wanted to get this made and he signed up to do superman 4 in as penance to do well, this movie. Basically,
3: wow. he'd been wanting to do this movie for years. He'd been wanting to do yeah. this one for years. And there were new producers who bought the rights to Superman uh for film who were had nothing to do with the first three Superman movies, right? So they bought these rights and they wanted this movie. And so they basically said, This is Canon Films, the producers behind Canon Films, and they were basically saying that we'll finance your pet project if you come on and do Superman four with us and they gave him like story credit on Superman four yeah. and they did all sorts of other stuff. He had, he got to choose directors. Like there was a whole bunch of things with that, but in the end they kind of fucked him with this because he wanted to shoot this in New York city, which makes sense given the Fair setting. Enough. And this movie is other than some exterior shots is almost entirely shot in Montreal. Mm. I did like, it did make me feel like the old, uh, the old, the old, Times square vibes so. though very I, I was, much so subway station yeah. you know <laughs> the outdoor shots the outdoor shots the, where he's on the street especially when he's in Times square like you grew up here i grew up here like you recognize that you know that's what it was those are legit those those feel right those scenes watching the second time is after i knew about the uh the montreal and you realize how much of that is just in nondescript rooms um that are staged and meant to look like a certain way and they're shot in montreal just because to save money and they use non-union labor and there were uh there was protests on the uh set of the film as a result so there were a lot of factors that sort of make this a bit odd even before you really get into the whole thing this movie exists because they wanted to make superman 4 the quest for peace which if you've seen superman 4 the quest for peace you have to ask was was this worth it mm. you guys, have you guys done that one on this show yet no no jeff hates superhero movies so it's not I a do. starter i you jeff oh.
2: I do, man. I think that if you're gonna sit around and praise cops, you should just put cops in the movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what about Watchmen?
2: Never saw it. Hmm. The Watchmen never saw series it or read it. I've heard wonderful things. I really should. That
0: one that one is, is great too. continually brought yeah, up as cool. like a an the exception book. to my rule. Book is amazing. Do you watch movies that are about cops? Do I? Yes.
2: if Michael Mann directs them. I don't uh... know Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. I mean, if you you can't really avoid all cop movies, there's so many.
1: Well, like cops as hero movies are different than cop movies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I
2: tried like, my best. Good cop. That if it is gonna be cop movies, it's gonna be in your naked gun vein. Okay. So no,
0: cops. no serpico for you.
2: I never saw Serpico, I've never seen it.
0: Oh wow, you were dedicated to this bit. Okay. I really I woke up one day. <laughs>
2: after being born and said that's this it. is going to pay off on a podcast later
0: okay no,
2: <laughs> no Die Hard oh now well come on Die Hard is, is amazing Beverly yes. Hills Cop <laughs> so yeah goes, you right? got me on that too yes. but Beverly Hills Cop comedy
1: yeah that's true
2: Copland, uh, it's
3: funny
0: that you mentioned I, I saw comedy.
2: Copland in the theater I don't remember what happens in it I oh. do remember Method Man looking really cool in it
0: <laughs> Which what, what is that? Copland Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Not Stallone, Crichto. Not the worst movie.
2: No, no, it's pretty
0: good from what I remember. All right.
2: So,
3: yeah. it's no cliffhanger, but, you know, that's Stallone for you. But I like that you mentioned Serpico because the director of Street Smart made his bones working with uh, young Al Pacino on The Panic in Eagle Park in 1971. And i then was Scare-
0: just about that movie
3: and then scarecrow 1973 which won the Palme d'Or at con
0: whoa i don't know that movie
3: so that's uh pacino and uh gene hackman in sort of a an interesting road movie yeah and they that one that won the uh that won yeah. best picture at con that year
2: we I, uh, he's doing a- some I- sort of didn't you say he's doing some sort of thing at uh at one of the movie theaters around here yeah, Is we be talking had- about that movie so yeah, Gary Jerry and I Shatsburg are talking about, if you guys want to join us, we're going to go just ask him about Street Smart the whole time.
1: <laughs> wait, so the that guy directed <laughs> Street or? Smart?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Jerry uh, Schatzberg, who directed Street Smart, did the Patekinado Park and Scarecrow. He's doing like a screening of Scarecrow film for him. He's like 96 years old now. And Jeff and I are like, we should go and just ask him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Shatsburg. a good
2: movie, dude. I hear you. But like in Street Smart. <laughs> <laughs> so like you made what, the choice to have a basketball scene. <laughs> mm. Why did Christopher Reeve fuck the hooker? Why did he fuck? Okay, let's get right into it then. Why no, did he fuck here. the hooker?
0: That may not be the correct nomenclature in 2023. Just for the record, fair enough. Record, Why no. did he
2: procure sex with a sex worker?
0: Um, the reason for that seemed obvious. What, what was the confusing part? It just
1: seemed like it didn't have to go there, and he seemed like a I don't know. Like he could have just not fucked her.
0: And that goes for a lot of men throughout a lot of men's lives.
1: No, but I'm saying, yeah. as far as the plot and 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 what happens in the in the movie, it
0: doesn't really. Change oh, as far it. as why it was written in there, and the yeah. number of dead ends that exist in this movie, yeah. plot wise, they are numerous and so bizarre. Every time character development is about to start, they kind of just stop it. Mm-hmm. Everyone cardboard cut out To a certain extent, except Morgan Freeman is too, but he just animates it in a crazy way. Yeah, he
2: acts his way out of it.
0: But even thinking about how the movie starts, if Morgan Freeman, as we watched the movie, we learned that he's this total sociopath Mm. capable of seemingly boundless acts of violence who's feared throughout his neighborhood... Um, and we are talking about what is, I guess, 1980s New York City? Yep. Uh, so this is like a very scary person, we're led to believe, by, by the end mm-hmm. of the movie, who is capable of doing great. I mean, even at the basketball game, he's like, everyone's terrified of mm-hmm. what he's going to do. To be the-
2: fair, he grabbed a guy and threatened to kill him because his shot got blocked.
0: Yes. I'd be was-
2: scared. I'd be like, okay, well, this is... This is a, yeah, a well, game that I shouldn't it. have. I want to go play in the Adrian Grenier league. I don't know what do we.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're doing that on a basketball court in like 1987 Harlem, that I presume you know mm. you're, you're 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 pretty serious with it. Mm-hmm. Which leads to the question: When he walks in on the uh, on the on the trick beating the sex worker. Mm-hmm. Like the guy is beating her up, then threatens him, shoves him, is extremely aggressive and naked. By the way, which I was Mm -hmm. like, how many men really have the nerve to be this aggressive while naked? You know what I mean? Like, right,
2: everything's exposed here. You can really it, it. It
0: it 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 seemed crazy to me. Like I was like, is this guy supposed to be Tony Soprano or something? Where is he? You know. The pimp and his bodyguard burst into the room, and you confront them naked, screaming at them after beating her, and then threatened to beat them. So that was kind of crazy because Morgan Freeman's character is really trying to placate and back off and not create a problem. When I would think he would have already, even like a relatively mild mannered pimp or gangster by that point, might have slashed or threatened or beat the dude. But he's like, right. hey, It's okay to. Only when the guy continues to get so aggy and threaten him and physically assault him, does he knee the guy in the balls and kick him. And then dude dies. So at that point, I'm thinking.
2: Do you think it was the face kick or the the ball knee that started the heart attack? I think it was the
0: yelling that the guy was doing before. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. amount of yelling. He was, in an
2: under, he was in an undue amount of stress there.
0: Yeah, he was very upset about whatever had happened, but. I just felt like okay, you set me up for this in the beginning. Like okay, this guy is some type of pimp, but not that dangerous, not that bad of a guy. And then by the end, he's willing to like kill all witnesses, kill the reporter, yeah, send people to kill Christopher Reeve in jail. Everyone mm-hmm. on- is scared for him. His own worker who runs around with a gun and a knife is like fleeing in terror. So it didn't really there were lots of points where I felt like what they were doing didn't like add up. Like why would this guy have allowed the John at the beginning to be doing all the things that he was doing?
1: Well, that, yeah. that, that, so that, that's a, it's a very, it's very true. Like a, uh, and, and it kind of goes back to the scene with a, uh, where uh, Reeves fucks the prostitute is that uh, it's like these character things, they don't add up at all. And uh <laughs> And like, it's as if the movie is written by two different people in two different rooms and, and they kind of just put, like, clunked it together. And, and mm. they, you know, they, they really didn't, uh, like, at no point am I like, oh, Reeves is a guy who will cheat on his girl with a prostitute. Sure. He seems like a nice guy. You know, he seems like a guy. Who's, and then you're like, oh, that's, and his character is totally now changed. And you're like, oh, he's, he's this guy. And with Freeman, it's kind of the same thing. He's like, I was like, oh, he's like a, a gentle you're like, oh no, he's a cold blooded murderer.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. That see the second one I see the first one I don't quite see. But what I will say is that the him sleeping with her served no purpose narratively. None. Except later for his wife, did nobody's nobody's actions changed? It never happened again. There didn't seem right. to be any logic to it, really. Like if I, it became a I, thing, I, I so. would say though they did sort of paint it as. Christopher Reeve and his partner were not having sex. Okay, yeah. And hmm. I, might have done that. I also think that, you know, people underestimate, people a lot of times are like, this is the sort of person who will sleep with the sex worker, and it's really like a broad, broad spectrum of lots and lots and lots of men, or be yeah. the oldest professions
2: yeah and and also underestimate that these are pros you know what i mean like this person was a a professional and was probably good. he got for
1: free though
2: i think well he paid for the first day
1: oh he he did pay for the oh yeah he paid for the
2: first day but that nothing happened they just like this okay so first of all i want to broach the fact that christopher reeve uh his character terrible journalist it's like a, it's a truly awful journalist.
0: I, I was wondering why we didn't just watch Shattered Glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, about but, that movie a lot. Yeah. Well, It'd be more entertaining. And then you got uh, Stellan Sarsgaard. Is that who was in the movie? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Hayden Christensen, you got Anakin Skywalker in that business too.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. A, there would be a few reasons.
3: Speaking as a former vice journalist. Thanks, Blokett. Uh yeah. Uh, freelance freelance i was never on staff
1: um oh, like a myself, I, I,
3: no it's like a <laughs> myself, yeah no it's just like i learned a lot more watching this a second time i think that there are clues from the very beginning scenes of this film that christopher reeves is not a good guy and that he's not a good person he's not a good He's not good at his job and he's not mm-hmm. necessarily a good human being and you know i i think the film uses moralist moments like the, like the scene with Punchy in the motel is to be like, now now you, judgy 1980s film viewer, now you're like, this is when he's a bad person. But actually, you really can see him much earlier, sort of this being this kind of self-serving, self-centered person, um, real privilege situation, the Harvard degree being mentioned a few times. And you sort of get to this like he's wants to do this sort of fantasy thing where he gets to play in these quote unquote dangerous spaces. And, you know, it reminds me it's been done a lot better. If you look at Blue Velvet, for example, Kyle McLaughlin's character, you know, just starts to, you know, he goes from a straight from a seemingly straight safe life to engaging with um, characters who exist in subculture and gets himself mm-hmm. in all manner of trouble there. And this is a version of that, only this is more complicated because of the the convoluted nature of this plot. But I think to to the to the credit of of the filmmakers that they don't completely obfuscate the fact that Chris Reeves is not a good person, but I think seeing him in three Superman movies Prior to this, would have given a lot of movie going audiences the impression that he was the protagonist or hero of the story, and he ain't.
2: No such thing.
0: Well, two things. I will say he pays no price for the things that happen, and to some extent occupies is a you know, I guess maybe the moral center of the movie is kind of punchy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. and then after her death and the attack upon his wife he's allowed to take on a role that essentially makes him kind of a hero of sorts he faces in the end no real censure or repercussions for what happened
2: he's the big winner in all of this despite jail and having yeah, to admit that he made a story up and all that
0: career for not having the notes, he doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't know. I don't know what they were trying to do. It's badly, yeah. it's badly, it's like not the worst idea. Very badly written and put together. Um, Punchy's death, yeah. since it's been broached,
2: yeah. Um, <clears throat> we get a lot of Punchy in the movie, and then Punchy's death is uh for lack of better terms a dove
3: yes, being really released dove. into
2: a night sky <laughs>
3: that's I it really do that's
2: that. all he... Morgan Freeman standing outside of a building that he knows where she is which is crazy enough yeah and is like confronts her very quickly with a line and then a dove is released and then we're back in jail and the guy's like Punchy's dead
0: I do think that the I do think that the decision not to show her being murdered or whatever. At that point, we don't need that. And I also think that, that Morgan Freeman unfolding from behind that column was oh. one of the few moments in the movie where I was genuinely surprised. Mm. A little bit chilling of a moment.
2: His violence toward his employees were the, were the most chilling moments, obviously. He and Punchy's eye scene were as shocking. I mean that's
3: the Oscar moment there. That's that's yeah. the that's where the nomination has to come in. Is just seeing that. Yeah. I, I, to to go back to the ending just for a sec. Um, with that, I think I would have enjoyed this film about twenty five percent more if it had ended before. If it ended about eight minutes sooner, if we mm. had not gotten to this sort of, I really dislike the ending of this film because I think it does exactly what you're saying. Woods is it? It it doesn't it doesn't really resolve. It doesn't make it feel good. It makes it seem like he's. He comes out of this unscathed, like even though there's this threat that he's going to be charged with evidence tampering at some point, like they don't show anything about that. He's the guy on TV still. He's still able to do TV news or whatever
0: in that last. Yeah, and they also didn't it didn't have a feeling of like, I don't know, Nightcrawler where it's like Mm. the bad guy got away with it all Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was just kind of like the bad guy was Morgan Freeman. He got taken out.
3: Yeah, I feel like there would have been more of a statement of this film and the type of film I think they were trying to do if it didn't have this sort of Hollywood ish ending to it. Like, and all, not for nothing. Like, we're talking about character development, but just like Christopher Reeve at no point reveals himself to be any sort of savvy, any sort of kind of person who could scheme up a plot like that in the end.
0: Oh, oh, hold on. And then, how is it that Christopher Reeve gets the guy's henchman in the car? And all of Ow. a sudden, he puts him in like a one third of a half Nelson, and dude is like, "Oh, he's a tough guy!" All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. And that dude's like fleeing <laughs> terror, and the whole time he's seen this dude with knives and guns stabbed a white woman in broad daylight at a market. Yep, he's and not. Now he's like
2: even, the reporter has his hands on me. Oh, I've got to run.
0: He can't even throw hands with the journalist to get this videotape.
2: Like you know, really taking a beating in this conversation. I, I, and, and and fair enough.
1: I, I noted that Reeves was never shook at any point. And like in all the situations he was in, he seemed very comfortable. Like when he when he went to the to Fast Black's house, he was like almost too comfortable, like rudely so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh and I, I, it was interesting to me that he was just un like or or the scene in the uh the at the the party where he brings Morgan Freeman and Munchie, and mm-hmm. where he's just like like, not even like he has no sense of anything else is going on around. Like, like he's like making out with the with with punchy with his girl. Yeah, right there. Right there. <laughs>
2: but she's right there with
1: his
0: boss. He, he, he's, he's very
1: emboldened the entire movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he definitely was feeling himself. I would say the only time is when uh, Morgan Freeman, and that's when I started to be like, what? Like, when Morgan Freeman uh, threatened the woman with the broken bottle who mm-hmm. was giving money. And then oh, he yeah. tried to, like okay, calm down now. White man is here. And then Morgan Freeman like put the glass broken bottle to his face. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. But also, it's like, isn't homie on bail for uh murder too? Now he's just gonna be slashing up reporters that are on TV news, like how there were a lot of things where I was like. I guess maybe he's supposed to be that crazy.
2: Fast Black's decision-making process was unhinged. It seemed like the things that should set him off the most had no effect. And then the smallest things, like they left a party and people were happy having had been to a party. And he was like, you guys are idiots. Fuck you guys. I never want to see anybody ever again. How dare Mm -hmm. you act like you had fun at this party? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I could relate to that part, though. <laughs> no, I felt like that was honestly that was I honestly felt like that was kind of a good scene because he he had an awareness there of what Christopher Reeve was doing. Christopher Reeve, even Christopher Reeve's wife was like, "You sure you want to do this?" And he's like, "Yeah," because it's like he's so comfortable in this lie and he's so feeling himself and so full of like. I'm a 6'5", all-American guy. Mm -hmm. He's actually just like, I'm going to bring this street dude, pimp, who's on charge for temp murder to this like super waspy holiday party or something for my job. Mm -hmm. Can we figure out what magazine he works for? The New York Journal new York journal okay it didn't but, but wasn't part of that and now thing. he's on tv too mm-hmm. like, and i'm going to bring me. this i'm going to bring this uh, this this sex worker who works for him there too and who i have gonna, had
2: sex with at this juncture
0: and i'm going to kind of revel in speaking of vice i'm going to kind of <laughs> revel in this dichotomy and being at the center of it and being the person who's like oh, i brought these people into this milieu and I'm just like totally comfortable with it or whatever um and uh I don't know I got I I guess I got the feeling that uh Christopher Reeves' character in this was he was definitely at that point I felt like he was just felt like he could pretty much just do whatever he wanted yeah I also more- f-
2: well, he did. He wrote one article and he funny. got offered a TV gig.
0: Yeah. But I, th- I yeah.
3: And he so got that's, that's
2: got to feel pretty meteoric. Oh, man. You but know, that's
1: writing, right? That, is that how that works? And you write one big article and then all of a sudden you get a, <laughs> it's not
3: working. I can't,
2: I, I personally have turned down so many TV jobs at this point. I don't know what to do with them. It's like, stop calling. I haven't written in years. Stop calling me. I have, I have Apple, Apple TV. TV you know. I
1: pay for it. Wait, I, I have a gripe with a, a major part of the plot, though. Um, okay, the uh, it's like you know the whole thing. What happens where, where where they they they're like, who are you talking about? What who is this pimp you're talking about? And the lawyer's like, it's him. And I don't know what they're basing that on. I mean, I, obviously they have, but like if Peter, I mean, if uh, Christopher Reeves, is like, no, it's not. This movie doesn't exist. <laughs> this movie doesn't happen. <laughs> it's not him. And he's like, yeah, it is. He's like, but it's not. And there you go. That's the oh, he does do that, but not not in this. Later,
0: we can't understand. Everyone, the the prosecutor is convinced that it's him, and it's so weird because it's like, surely there's as Christopher Reeve attempts to point out, there's lots of pimps. Yeah, and we don't. We're never even. We're never even shown what exactly the prosecutor. What hole in the case is there? right and it, oh that's my they, favorite
2: is the prosecutor is like my case isn't bad but it would be a lot better if you came along if you it would just, just he was well cast that prosecutor he's
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but it's also like it's it's the evidence is it, there's such circumstantial stuff of like he thinks that the article is about fast black the tyrone Sheik of the streets the name of the article by mm-hmm. the way um the, <laughs> the 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 idea was that there's a restaurant described. In, there's a restaurant described in the article um, that the DA, the ADA, I should say, identifies himself as. Oh, that's Louisa. They're like, okay, so you recognized a, a, a location, and that to him is enough to prove it because apparently, And orange juice black,
2: for you, who, yeah, fast
3: yeah, fast black addicts out there all the time. So it's like, yeah, you know, this is is that, but like, I, to, I think, and I think you're absolutely right to call that particular bit out because it is the, it is. Uh, it's a heavy twig that that's
0: really laying, trying to lay. Yeah,
1: to, to be that yeah, would never find. Like he would never get
0: in trouble for that. For, no, I think the the main point is that there's no real what you're pointing out is there's no real reason other than like, okay, so you think it's it's like that's not a there's not a lot of compelling evidence that it is this guy. And then not only that, what is Christopher Reeves? What 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 is his what is this his story has nothing to do with that. Right, like, presumably you have this guy he's fingerprints he's in the room he assaulted the guy his lawyer is trying to plead out it was even bananas to me to the extent um, to which you I mean maybe he just really wanted again there's so much that we're missing here does he do you as fast black because otherwise it's like why are you so concerned what did you just like bro is that
3: Oh, it's a, oh this is a
0: this is a. Uh, this is, it's it's, it?
3: a, it's got it's like a hash hole situation. It's it's uh, it's about to be a lot of fun for me.
0: Yeah, I saw the way it lit up right there. That was uh that was very serious. It was cinematic. It's more cinematic than a lot of this film.
2: <laughs> Agree.
3: <laughs> At what point in the movie did you realize Reeves' character was a piece of shit? Like just a total piece of shit. At what point really was it for you?
2: It was plainly obvious when his wife was like, "Yo." What if I came with you kind of jokingly? And he was like, that would be great.
0: I would love for you to come
2: to a dangerous part of town and hang out looking good as hell around some dangerous folks.
0: Pretending to be, et cetera. Yeah, that was really, that was really bizarre. Although I didn't know if that was just naivete because he also, I mean, this is a guy who literally went out. He's supposed to be a journalist. Although, again, Stephen Glass does exist. So, yes, he mm. exists. He's supposed to be a journalist and he goes out and he's like, Hey, can I talk to you? And the guy's like, Get the fuck out of here. The pip that he tries to talk <laughs> yeah, to. Right. He talks to one other person and then he gives up.
2: Yeah. He's a terrible journalist. He yeah. does finally get someone to talk to him for, or at least like hang out with him for a second, even though he's paying for it. Um, and One, do you think that best was expensible? Do you think he could, he could put
0: $60 best. in? could have pivoted to a new story about her my main point it's like, like he's a reprehensible person to be honest uh was uh the fake story and then the fact that the fake story involved a black pip named tyrone who had a condo in hawaii right yes that seemed to be covering a lot of bases of both racist obvious uh totally unethical to be making up the story anyway and then also, why did you have to go? It's always crazy to me when people make up, you know, like with Trump sometimes, you'd be like, why are you going? Like, it's not just a lie. It has to be like the most absurd lie of all right. time, you know. for Right, for, that
2: this that this pimp is still doing this thing, even though he can afford a condo in Hawaii.
0: What, what happened? What, yeah, that the whole. And why would you write that? I mean, yeah. It just seems like something that somebody could. Easily prove wrong or that would stand out as ridiculous. So at that point, I was like, "I do not like this guy," um and I right. think when his wife started to not like him, also.
1: I I I realized that Mimi Rogers isn't Andy McDowell.
0: Oh, okay,
3: oh,
1: sure. I was, watching, I was like, I was like, oh, huh, that's not Andy McDowell.
2: <laughs> it's not um, the things think, we learn I, on Tubi.
1: I think I, I think that I realized during the. I mean, maybe I was late to the game because I, you know. I got I have trouble paying attention to some things sometimes. <laughs> and uh and uh I think I realized in the scene when he had sex with the with the prostitute. But like that's when I was like, oh, that's a it seemed like a leap to me, but you guys are clearly noticing things that I was just kind of oblivious to because I was <laughs> <laughs> I might
3: have
2: been
1: no. looking at my phone for a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm. I'm just bringing it up
3: because I feel like I, I learned more again on the second viewing. I got this. I got to see more about it. But I sort of wanted it to be an avenue into some of these moments that have just been described because I feel like there's a lot of stuff. So that way, like you, as you see this, I think the earliest presentation of Morgan Freeman's fast black, which we talked about before, it you don't see him for the sociopath he is. Only say twenty more minutes into the film. But in those early scenes, it almost seems like, wait, maybe I'm supposed to be rooting for Morgan Freeman. Maybe actually. Well, the, this the is... first
2: scene is him in a car with his cohort, his his muscle. And his muscle yeah. is like, man, did you see the fight? And he's like, shut up. I hate you. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you speaking to me in this car when we're together? It's really. And then he's,
3: but then, he flips, and then and he's
2: he's like... he flips it and saves the sex worker's life. And you're like, Okay, so this is a flawed hero. And he then the rest of the time they're like, I just want to make sure that anything good he did is completely taken off the table. The, the basketball yeah.
1: scene is, is where I was like, Oh, he's a maniac. He's yeah. an actual
2: maniac. But right? also yeah. the
1: scene in the car where, where he's uh he's making out with his prostitute with mm-hmm. Reeves sitting right there was really uncomfortable and it was a very uncomfortable really scene. evil and very evil. Like that scene was a lot to well, that, that yeah. one made me go you know, oh god and i it almost
3: like the the to go back to what woods was saying kind of where i wanted to get to is that it's really after the article is published when we start to actually have more interactions with with fast black with morgan's character is where we start to see more stereotypical and almost caricaturized violence from this character hmm. that he's th- from and i think that it's, I don't think this was intentional because I think we're still dealing with people who probably, in terms of the uh, the writer and director of this film, probably didn't have much experience in this particular, uh, you know, I don't think they had a particular experience in, in this area that they were writing about I, or making a film about. I think what ends up happening is the film itself calls Reeves out for being racist from, of all people, the black anchor woman um Mm -hmm. the tv news who when if you'll if you recall again i saw this really in the second viewing when they first meet in the restaurant and she's and she's with the white producer at the tv station Mm -hmm. he basically doesn't acknowledge her he pretty much ignores her and later on when she calls him out for racism on live television it's it's a real moment and it and it actually had some some weight and some meaning but unfortunately it is in the you know in the this film's need to villainize the villain which in some way to not justify Reeves's behavior but to sort of make him into a quote unquote flawed protagonist hmm. like all that all that happens it's a it's a moment of real clarity that happens in the film that then is immediate that is appreciated in retrospect, but unfortunately is stuck in this idea yeah, buried. that it, it gets buried under the like. Look at, the, look at the horrible. Look at the horrible thing this pimp is going to do,
2: right? And the you know we end up getting the DA's version of Morgan Freeman more than the reporter's version of Morgan Freeman in the film. I
3: guess assistant DA. My apologies. Right, yeah, assistant, yeah. Let's let's not give him all that
1: credit. <laughs> you know, you know what? Uh, Reeves reminded me of uh of the guy in season five of The Wire. The oh. guys like, uh, like that liar and that like he seemed similarly, but he was like a tall, handsome version of him. He's like like you know, a weaselly kind of you know just liar, <laughs> <It's> a weaselly <laughs> liar. <laughs> but, I think
2: yeah. it would have been cooler to have someone who wasn't Superman. In that role,
1: yeah, like 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 Dustin Hoffman.
3: <laughs> I think Perfect. you could, yeah. I think you you could have put somebody like that in in that role. You could have put, uh I think Pacino, at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, unfortunately, Pacino at that point it's a little later. He's doing like Sea of Love around that time. It's Bro, different- the writing, mm-hmm.
0: the <laughs> writing, dude. No one yeah. just gets from the way this re- it's yeah. written and conceived. A side thing I want to say. I don't know. Actually, let me let you guys finish what you were talking about. <laughs> oh no, we're 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 ready. We're ready for uh, from, another, <laughs> from from another perspective. Uh, Let's go. Crazy thing is, uh, Kathy Baker still looks the same, but yes. also was hey, that? really cute. Hunchy. Hunchy. Punchy. Oh, punchy. Okay. She was really cute. agree. But it's, then I was yeah. like, this woman still looks the same now yes and she has also done so many things but this must be the earliest thing that i can remember her doing in fact let me look. yeah she started
3: she was doing tv she did tv a couple years after this and had she was on she was on she was on like one of these like dramedies i if i remember correctly and she like, looks very
1: familiar to me but i can't place a, the thing that she's in
3: you've just seen her in so many things yeah or yeah. Yeah, man, yeah yeah, yeah so,
0: 1987 the, street smart is seemingly her second film role she was in the right stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then uh
2: edward which, scissorhands if i remember correctly am i crazy
0: that's later yeah, though. that's right later. later this that's is later. night street smarts is 1987 yeah. yes um the right stuff is 1983 83 yeah, so uh, this is very early in her career, but
3: um, good for Speaking, her. Speaking, yeah, another person who always looks like themselves, Anna Maria Harsford, who plays uh, Harriet, uh, who was the the matriarch of Fast Black's uh, Hold empire. Hold on, um, yeah, aka Craig's, Craig's mom. mom. And Friday, yeah, Craig's mom, yeah. <laughs> and also, she was on. Uh, I think she was on TV at that time. I think I think she was.
2: In all kinds of things.
3: But like this was like in the midst of one of those like big, big sitcom runs again? for her. It's uh, Anna Maria Hauser.
2: It was Amen, right?
0: Amen. That's right. Mm, yeah. Good good call on that. I totally did not um did not recognize her.
3: Yeah, it was the first season. She was the- she had
0: by the time this movie
3: came out, the first season of Amen had already aired. So it's interesting to see that obviously she's on, I think there's a lot of between like Reeves and her character and and maybe a handful of others. Like there were some people who you knew them from other things, you saw them in other things. And now they were in a very different context. You can see them being being unrecognizable.
2: Do you think the entire run of Amen, she got told to shut up more than the two scenes she was in, in the film? I doubt it.
3: Wow. She had told to shut up a lot in this, that's true.
2: It's pretty much every time she opens her mouth, Morgan Freeman's like, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Like, damn, dude. Oh. Um,
0: yeah, he really, he really, and I mean, I can see how some of these things would have worked if it had been properly written. Like, you could see how yeah. Morgan Freeman becomes more desperate as he's facing this case against him and becomes more extreme. Because I even felt like, his first interaction with her, they were kind of both giving each other the business. Yeah. And then the second one, he's like unhinged and she's obviously terrified that he's actually going to stab this woman's eye out or something crazy. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. There's
1: a, there's a framework for a good movie here. It just everything in the in yeah. inside it's is, pro- is a problem a little bit you know
0: it's just, yeah
2: like, unlike unlike the other films we've subjected you guys to <laughs> there's the a whole- framework of a good movie here yeah. there's an actual good movie here yeah I'm
0: not coming back again unless it's Caveman's Valentine man so, I think look, that's look, fair I think you've just you've just, you've just sealed now. your fate
3: and it's a great... <laughs> you have we and should do fine.
0: we should do the Arm and Hammer we should get a lucid on and watch this I just want somebody else I truly believe that I'm the only other person. Me and two other people I watched, but they're the only people who watched Caveman's Valentine.
3: As Mine I is said, scary. As, as I said on our episode from RCX, oh, yes, I saw say. Caveman's Valentine at the Virgin Megastore in store square in the theater. Hold at, on, how? midnight screening? It was like a midnight screening. Of, it was like 1130, maybe 12 o'clock. It was at, playing at the Virgin Megastore for like one weekend, I guess.
0: <laughs> and I saw <laughs> it. I paid money. Like, like a ironic? Why did you do that? No, I
3: just saw there was a movie, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I haven't heard about this. I'll go check it out." And I had didn't I had no expectations because I had no idea what it was. Yeah. I've still never
2: seen it. I, we've talked about it more than I have any desire to see it. Okay, yeah.
0: Well, so that yeah, do it. Let's do it. We'll get it, it going. A midnight screening too, because I swear that movie is like two and a half hours or something. I worked
3: <sighs> up very. I was very sleepy. I remember it being very late. Getting back on the subway. Uh, and heading home, <laughs> heading back to Queens. It was a rough one that night.
0: Then you had to go to Queens, too? Wow. Yes, sir. I had to go. Let's go right back over to Queens.
3: <laughs> the story keeps getting worse. Hop on the uh, I remember I remember being fucking tired. Can we tell uh, about one of the good things right? in this film? Like, one of the few yeah. actually good things in this film? And that's
1: uh, Miles Davis.
2: Correct. Miles Davis did the soundtrack to this film so i was miles- gonna say
1: there's, there's some samples at the end i was like hmm. like they, they want they sound like samples there's a couple little <laughs> <up there>. yeah <laughs> they do take these i would take this
3: so this is during the 80s when miles davis was working very closely with robert irving III. um they worked on decoy you're under arrest and basically uh robert was working with miles davis through 89 so close to the last few years of of, of davis's life and When I saw this come across the screen that Miles Davis had contributed to the soundtrack, I thought that just at the very beginning in the opening cards like, well, this is exciting. This is gonna be really good. And every time I hear their score in the film, it sounds great. It actually makes this film seem better. Mm. There's it's not my favorite use of music in the in this film, but it is something that does sort of add some gravity to a film that maybe doesn't deserve it given the flaws we've all been pointing out
1: did did you notice? i'm sorry to interrupt but but (laughs) music uh again going back to the scene where he has sex with a prostitute that's that's my favorite that's my favorite yes the music got really loud and they just have it 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 becomes like a weird they're just talking (laughs) like they're just you can't hear what they're saying and the music's just playing really loud over it they're they're talking
3: over they're
1: talking really
3: loud over carol king's you make me feel like a natural woman and it was like,
2: uh, where not, was the
3: music coming from? Where was the music coming from for the first and time? And it
2: was inappropriate for that. See, like they weren't going to be in love. There was no, it was just like, you paid for your time. We may as well. We didn't
0: know that at the time, especially since. Fair. It, it did seem like a spontaneous. He certainly hadn't paid for them. It, it Yeah, it, it had a. It had a level of spontaneity to it, like, oh, they were just sitting there vibing, and an attraction took over was the way it was painted. So yeah, I did, Yeah, I mean, it seemed like kind of cool sound editing at the time. No? Weird choice.
3: Yeah.
0: The
2: loudness was was jarring, where all of a sudden now the music's full blast, and we can't hear them talk.
0: But she's still telling the the story. story. I thought that was the point, was that uh, they're just the vibes
2: know. have taken over.
0: Yeah, like sometimes you you know before you're gonna hook up with somebody, you really start to feel the vibe, and words are just come, still coming out of your mouth, but you're no longer even sure what you're talking about.
1: And the Venga Boy soundtrack just gets louder and louder. As- Yo,
3: <laughs> it's just rude sandstorm escalating. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: I would. I would if they had used that song, I would have given this an A plus. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. yeah, that song
3: existed back then. It'd be great. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. This is pre Crazy Frog, so like this is who, who
2: needs Miles Davis when you have Derude and Crazy Frog?
3: <sighs> All right, guys. But fun
2: fact: There's a new Crazy Frog song. In case you needed to know,
3: that's not a fun fact. That's, no, as that's a mind. fun
2: fact. There is. We we've somebody's been trying to sell it at my no. work for so long. That's so bad. They're like, there's a new crazy frog. I'm like, please, no more with the crazy frog. It's
0: the Cabbages Podcast Network.